You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Originally from Omaha, Leanne Hill Carlson has been active in the Omaha theater community for many years. Leanne received the Theater Arts Guild Awards for her performances as Sarah in Murder Ballad and Stella in A Streetcar Named Desire at the Omaha Community Playhouse. Other favorite local credits include Helena the Prime in Indecent at the Blue Barn Theater, Belle in Beauty and the Beast and Elle Woods in Legally Blonde at the Omaha Community Playhouse, Elena in Uncle Vanya at Bridget St. Bridget, Mary Poppins in Mary Poppins at the Rose Theater, Kathy in the last five years at Part Theater, Meg in Little Women with the Nebraska Theater Caravan, and Pitti Singh in the Mikado with Opera Omaha. She is very interested in local new work and has recently been involved with One Way to Mars by Tim and Mallory Vallier. The Break by Marie Amthor Shute, and The Octopus Play by Ellen Struve. She earned her Bachelor of Fine Arts in Musical Theater from Sam Houston State University and her Master's Degree from the University of Nebraska Medical Center. She is a physician assistant and co-owner of Finesse Advanced Medical Aesthetics and proud mom of Henry and Nora. Leanne Hill Carlson... Welcome to the green room. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. So as we sit here with my bottle of Starbucks grease. <laughs> I on, forced her to do this. <laughs> on, my, uh, on my card table. We will, we will take a moment to explain. So Leanne is, Leanne is obsessed with my <laughs> bottle of grease that I keep in my refrigerator. Now, let me explain. So putting grease... Down a sink is is not good for the plumbing. Indeed. It is not good for the plumbing. So my my lovely little bohemian grandmother always kept a jar, like whether it was like a schmuckers, you know, the schmuckers Schmuckers jar (laughs) of strawberry preserves that she used to like to eat, schmuckers, strawberry preserves, or any any glass product at all and then she would drain off the grease from like hamburger or what have you and put it in a jar and put it in the refrigerator and and then it would the grease would congeal so that it w- you could eventually throw it in the garbage right so then it wouldn't go all over the place you were not aware of this well i was aware <laughs> of the draining of the grease but sure but the in the starbucks it just when you asked me for something to drink like a year ago when i was at your house i right. was like oh that's what i want to drink that frappuccino right with the grease with in the it. grease in it so now it's like a running joke it is. so i actually brought dana a starbucks you today did. <laughs> I a did. Lot, uh, but starbucks. it actually had coffee in it it has coffee in it and i this is like it would not be able to hold the grease because it's it's paper. It's paper, right? It's paper. Right. See, you learn so, new things every day. Thank exactly. you, Dana. Thank, thank you. N- thank you for the latte. And I, I will have... continue to ask for the grease when I come to your house. <laughs> and wine. Grease and, wine. and wine. Yes, yes. So you are. So this is a good segue. You were originally from Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, my parents like to move around a lot when I was younger. So. I went to elementary here, and then I moved to a small town in Iowa in middle school, and then I came back in the middle of my ninth grade year, so I had to go, I was in high school, had to go back to junior high, good times, and finished my ninth grade year at La Vista, then went to Papillion La Vista High School. Did you move because you're, because of like work, work-related yeah, things? Yeah, I think my, my dad would just get a little bit different territory with what he was doing. What so. did your dad do? Uh, he was, at the time, he was a food salesman for restaurants and schools and such. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have a younger brother named Keenan, and he lives in Iowa, and we're still pretty close. Any theater, theatrical aspirations in your family besides you? 
my dad had a knack for doing, he was really involved in speech in high school and he was from a small town. So that was kind of their version of theater, I think. So he won, I think he won state speech for interpretive, humorous interpretation or something. So he had a little bit of that bug in him. Not that he ever did it past high school, but there must've been something there. What do you recall was the very first show that you did? Did you perform in any any plays or musicals when you were in grade school? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Dara Rosenberg, this is a call out to you if you're listening. I was a Chew the Mouse double cast with Dara Rosenberg. What the mouse? A Chew the a Mouse. Ch- a Chew? Yes. Can yes. you spell that? A-C-H-O-O, like the oh, sneeze. Oh, like a Chew. Yes, like okay. a Chew. Gotcha. The a mouse. Chew a Chew is blue. A Chew is blue. It's sad but true. A Chew is blue. Yes, yes. So it was a musical? It was a, a musical in first grade at, at uh, Jocelyn Elementary. And, and you were a Chew. I was a Chew. You and... And, and Dara Rosenberg. And Dara Rosenberg. Yes. That, how many lines did you have? I think quite a few. I'm. I'm. That's the only thing I remember is that song. But so it's like yeah, a it lead was, role. Like, yeah, from yeah. The beginning. It, it was called a chew the mouse. It was <laughs> that was. I mean, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you did a chew, the mouse. Yes, and Kay Clark was my vocal music teacher in in high or in elementary school. So oh wow, I knew her way back in the day. And then I got to work with her as, you know, kind of an adult too, which was great. Okay. So what other shows did you, what other (laughs) shows did you do besides a chew? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I did lots of things in elementary and middle school, just, you know, through the school. And then I was finally able to do something outside of school when I was able to drive. So that was really the kicker for me was I had to have my license so I could get there. And I was cast in South Pacific at the Bellevue Little Theater. And I was just a member of the chorus. And... Did you put a chew down on your resume? Uh, You know, I might have at that time. I might (laughs) have. I wish I would have sang A Chew is Blue for my right? audition song. I think you would have gotten, yeah, I think you would have gotten whatever the gal's name was to yes, wash that yeah, man right, right out of their head. Right, right, at age because 15. I'm, I'm so competent with musical theater <laughs> yeah. characters. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so you did a show, so you did South Pacific at Bellevue Little Theater. Right, and that's where I met Melanie Walters. We were both in that together, which was fun, and we went to the same high school. So then I got involved in... Then I really got involved in high school. Jeff Nienhauser was my theater teacher, and he's still one of my favorite teachers I've ever had, such an inspiration to me and really encouraged me. So I did all of the plays and musicals that I was able to in high school. And I did a few things at Bellevue while I was in high school. And then I went on to get my, to go to college. So what made you decide theater and specifically musical theater is my my thing. This is what I want to go and do. I think it was always something that was inside of me. I loved singing. And if I got to do a taste of acting in junior high, you know, that it always filled filled my bucket for whatever that, you know, 13-year-old bucket was. But when I got cast as Hoddle in Fiddler on the Roof my sophomore year of high school, that's really when I said, my goodness, this is the best thing ever. And was was that at the Playhouse? Oh, no, that was at, in, at Papillion. It was at, it was at Papillion. Yes. Okay. So I did do that role. Yeah. Uh, let's see, 14 years later okay. at the Playhouse. Because I remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've done Fiddler on the Roof four times. Okay. I know, I know. Is that the show that you've done the most? Yes. Mm-hmm. I directed, well, I, I I took over for the director who in, in college because he had an illness. So I directed it in college. And then I was Hoddle twice. And then I was in the chorus at Ralston Community Theater. You decided to go to Sam Houston State? Yes, Sam Houston State. And that is, that's down in Texas, Right. It? It's in Huntsville, Texas, yep. which is like an hour north of Houston, where the prison is. <laughs> There's a big prison in Sam Houston? Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where they carry out the old executions. Oh, well, there you go. That, yes. So, side, so sidebar. So, like, a number of years ago, I mean, this is a long, long time ago, like 20, 20-some 20 years ago, my cousin Rick and his wife got married down in... Texas, down in uh, Carthage. 
And we went, don't ask me where it is because I don't know. It's, it's, it's close enough to Shreveport, Louisiana because okay. that's where the prenup was. Yep, got it. So we were, so we were driving down to, cause why fly? Let's just, <laughs> let's just drive a big old caravan of people down <laughs> to Carthage, Texas in July. Oh yes. Because that's cool. And I remember <laughs> we were like right outside of, I don't even remember where it was in Oklahoma that we were driving and they had signs up for like the prison and it was oh. like, and it, the, 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 like signs were like admonishing you not to pick up hitchhikers. Right. Yeah, they were all because, over Huntsville because too. Because of because of the the prison, and I'm like, that's awesome. That's fun. So, yeah, we had the the prison closed. Or I'm sorry, the college closed one day because there was like an escaped prisoner that was really dangerous. Ooh. So that was the most dramatic thing that I remember yeah. being there. <laughs> what shows as we as we go back to what mm, we're actually talking yes. about? What shows did you do when you were down at Sam Houston State? Oh. First of all, Sam Houston was just like one of the best times of my life. And I had some amazing teachers that just taught me so much. And 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 a group, you know, to be in a theater program with people all like-minded was just, I, I just look back at that time and so grateful for it. So we started out my freshman year in the fall. I got cast in a chorus line. I was part of the cut team. So I got to sing, I really need this job. <laughs> and then when they recorded it, uh, for archive's sake, of course, only, right. I cracked on that last note. Oh, so embarrassing. So I started with that show. <laughs> and other favorites were a funny thing happened the way the forum. And I played Stella in Streetcar Named Desire. So you've done that show twice? Done then? that show twice. Okay. Yeah. And then we took Uncle Vanya to the American College Theater Festival. I did not play the same role as I just played at Bridget St. Bridget. I played Sonia, and, okay. and at Bridget St. Bridget, I played Elena. So I kind of like repeating shows. Well, I was going to say, do. I have a history of you're doing kind that. Of, well, you're kind of like opera singers, you know, because they do that. <laughs> right. And they, they have like a repertoire of like 12 roles that they do, <laughs> and they just travel all over the place. So you're yeah. Mary Poppins. No, <laughs> Belle from Beauty and the Beast. That's, yeah, I've done that three times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, uh, someone else was telling me that. They're like, you really have a history of repeating things. And um, I think I just like to see, you know, I got to play Hoddle when I was 16, and then I got to play her when I was 30. And uh, same with Stella, you know, I was probably 20, and then I got to play her when I was 32. So I love revisiting these roles that are amazing to me, and, and that's such a well, and you get a lot more life experience under Absolutely. your belt. And I mean, there there are some roles that I would love to revisit and go, oh, if I yeah. knew then what I know now. Right. Absolutely. It would color everything differently. So you graduated from Sam Houston State with your Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater. Right. In what year? If you don't mind my asking. <laughs> now do the math, everyone. <laughs> I am turning 40 this year. <gasps> um, in 2002. 2002. And then what did you do immediately after that? Well, this is this is the whole weird. This is the question I get asked all the time. What? Why did you move to New York? Why didn't you go on? Uh, so nine eleven happened my senior year, and I think it was just too chaotic in mm-hmm. my head. You know, I I wasn't ready to go there after all of that was going on. So I moved back home. I worked at Applebee's. I thought about life for a while and. I did some theater. I started doing theater again. I did a few shows at Stages of Omaha. That's where I did when I did Rocky, uh, Rocky Horror. And what role were you in? I that? was Janet. Oh, super fun! Of course you were. <laughs> Why would I ask? <laughs> Who was your Brad? At uh, Tim Riley. Oh, sure. Yep. Okay. And my riffraff is the same person that's going to be playing riffraff at the Playhouse, Kevin which Buswell. is very cool. Yeah. 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 Excited to see him again. Cool. So I did some theater and all the while I... And, and you oh, did Sideshow. I did Sideshow. Now, that was the first time I had seen you perform. And I swear for the longest time, I thought you and Angie Jensen Fry were actually sisters because you guys... <laughs> Well, that's better that most people think we're the same person. Oh. So. <laughs> no, but I, I, I literally, I thought... Oh, they, yeah, they're sisters. <laughs> How cool is that? The Jerry cast sisters, and they just have different names. Yeah. So talk for a moment about 
sideshow and what that experience was like. Yeah, so Randall Stevens was actually the director. Oh, and I'm sorry. That's okay. Sorry, Randall. <laughs> and um, There's my one screw up hi, for Randall. the podcast. <laughs> and I I think Randall had mentioned something to me. I, I you know, knew him just from the theater community and he's like you should audition for this and see what happens of course I knew Angie but not as a friend like now she's one of my dearest friends in the world but I had always looked up to her because she you know was kind of the leading lady at the time of the of, of uh, some of the theater community and and so when I, when we were cast together that was that was a big deal uh and then we found out that we were going to get the opportunity to work with Bill Russell, too, the one who wrote Sideshow. So he came and saw it. And, oh, I mean, that was – if I would have known now what I knew – or if I would have known then what I know now, you know, I would have – I would just appreciated it even more. But that was – to have that chance to play that role with that group of people, every single person in that cast was phenomenal. James Wright, Tim Riley, Yeah. It was a good show. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. It was a really, it was a really, really good Thanks. show. I'd love to do that again. Think yeah. I think I'm old now. <laughs> when did the I need to go to medical school bug hit? It actually oh, it actually hit my senior year of college. I think I always knew that I wanted to do more schooling. I didn't know if that was, you know, a master's degree in theater. I didn't know if it would be something different. And then I just kind of put it to the side. And then uh, that first year after graduating college, I started really looking into it. And I went and got some prerequisites. And then I applied and I got in my first year. What made you think medical route as opposed to business or, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm just curious because yeah. I, because anybody can be anything so it's it's yeah. not like it's so completely different than theater it's just that your it idea is. was i want to do more schooling and you focused on the medical field right. as opposed to like business so i'm just right. curious how that came about yeah so i've i've always really liked science and i've always wanted to help people i think that was i was very interested in helping people um you know, I didn't know what venue that would be. And it just seemed like something I would definitely be interested in. I, I don't think there was like this, you know, grand calling. But yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. <laughs> you looked into it and you decided that the University of Nebraska Medical Center is where you wanted to go. I got in at Baylor PA school and I got in at... You've got to think about Texas schools. I know, I do. I do. I really love Texas. And I got in at UNMC and yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I look back, why didn't I go to Baylor? But you know, UNMC was amazing and I, um, you know, I was here, my family's here. So sure. I decided to go ahead and actually, it's actually one of the best PA schools in the nation. So I was very fortunate to get in and yeah, I wouldn't do it over again. That's for sure. It was awesome. Oh, Hard. Yeah. How many years were you in school for that? Two and a half. So after my bachelor's degree, I was in school for like two years getting some prerequisites, part-time, not full-time. And then I was two and a half years getting my master's. Okay. So it was like five years total of, of schooling more when you, when you put the prerequisites <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, but like it that. wasn't full-time. Right. It wasn't but full-time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But did PA you, school is full-time. Did you do any theater during that time or did you take a hiatus? No, I took... So I did Beauty and the Beast... Right before I went to PA school, and then and I took was, a hiatus. Was that, that was at B&D Productions at Chanticleer. Chanticleer. And I did that two years in a row. And then I went to PA school, and I did not do anything. Mm, let me think about this for a minute. I did do something. I did The Sound of Music the summer of 2005, so in between. And you were Elsa. No. Yes, I was Elsa. <gasps> were you really? Elsa. No, I was Maria. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> I was trying to be funny, and then you said it, and I was like, oh my God, you're serious. I was... <laughs> yes, you were Maria. Yes. Did they ever solve your problem? They didn't. They, they didn't. still haven't. All right. I know. Who was your Captain Von Trapp? Oh, Keith Allerton. Oh, <laughs> he's so sweet. He's <laughs> a good guy. Yeah. Joey so, Galda was in that with me. Who was? Joey Galda. Oh. That's how I met him. 
Who was Joey? He was Rolf. He was, he was so cute. <laughs> he was Rolf. Yes. Oh, he was so cute. So That's cute. awesome. So you graduated from the University of Nebraska Medical Center in what year? In December of 2006. And so then I started I started my career in OBGYN in January 2007. And, and I started dabbling in theater again because I could. Yeah. <laughs> you had like a little bit of a break. Were you working daytime hours and that's why you yes. could do things at night? Right. And I didn't have to study anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite roles. So you did Mary Poppins when and where? I did Mary Poppins in 2015 at the Rose Theater. And I saw that production. Who was the evil little nanny person? Was that Jody? That was Jody. It was Jody. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That was yes. a good production. Yes. I like that production. That was, it was so much fun. And it it was great to work at the Rose. I love I love working at all the different theaters in Omaha and just getting a taste for just they all offer something completely different and I I just love being able to to have experienced most of them. Um, I'm working with Matt Gutchick in that show and and Sue Vuitton and Doran and flying from the rafters and of course working with my dear friend Jody Vaccaro and yeah it was great. Patrick Beasley, who is my Bert. Is that the only time you've done Mary Poppins? It is. Let's talk a little bit about Elle Woods and yeah. Legally Blonde. Elle was one of those roles that I didn't even know existed until the Playhouse announced it for their season. Of course, I knew the movie, but I didn't really, I guess I did know that it was a musical. I didn't know that it was, you know, I didn't know what that meant for me. Man, was that one of my favorite things I've ever done. Oh, I just sobbed and sobbed afterwards. It was it was really where I met most of my best friends or at least solidified that relationship because, you know, Steve Prambeck, and I know Steve says the same thing, uh, Angie Fry, Jody Vaccaro, Paul Hansen, we, <laughs> right? Those are some of my closest friends. And, and we just, we had the best time. It was so fun. And... I don't know. There's something about that 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 show and that role that was definitely a pinnacle in my so-called career. <laughs> <laughs> Can you define what it is about that? What is different? I'm gonna admit, I never saw the movie. I've seen the oh, musical, okay. but I've never seen the movie. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's the same. It's thing. very so, very similar, except without music. Right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I can never understand. Oh, Hairspray, it's a movie. It's a musical. Oh, it's a musical that's made into a movie with John Travolta. No, it's either <laughs> the John Waters film or it's the musical live. It's not with John Travolta. I never saw that one. Never will. And then they did it another again, I think. Yeah, Hairspray. and then they did it yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Never will see that. Never <laughs> will see it. But Hairspray is a musical I really like the movie, but I thought they did a really, really good job with the musical. So in that aspect, you saw the movie, then you get involved with the musical. What do the songs bring to the story? Oh, they, I think they bring a lot of sass and spunk and, and they're funny too. They move the plot along. So instead of just being there to sing about what's going on, they actually move the plot along. So that that's the great thing about modern musicals, right? They, mm-hmm. keep, they keep the plot moving. And also, like, of course, Elle Woods is going to be a good dancer, right? right? I mean, she's in a sorority and all of her friends are too. So th- to bring that, and Melanie Walters did such a good job of choreographing that to make it sassy and funny. And uh, yeah, it, I think the music brings a lot. Not that that film doesn't stand on its own by itself, because sure. it sure does. Sure. But there's some there's some really cute, funny moments that the musical has. Mm-hmm. So let's juxtapose that with something like Murder Ballad. Oh, yeah, yes. Murder Ballad was another one of those Ugh. that I did not know that musical at all. And then uh, and then I came and saw it at the Playhouse, <laughs> and I was just like, 
Whoa, this is like my new favorite musical. Oh, I know, right? I love that show. Yeah. What and I is didn't it? know I loved it either, right? right? I didn't know about it. So it's it was one of those that's like, it's a bucket list role and I didn't know I need the bucket. <laughs> it's And you know what? That's what you said on yes. your uh, tag acceptance award when you won for Uwe. Yeah. And that was the same year I won for Sarah. And I, I was like, that's exactly what I want to say, Dana. And I think I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's one of those roles that comes along. And you don't realize that that's something that you need as a performer yes. until until you do it. Yes, it was so perfectly dark and yeah. and fun and the, which musicals aren't musicals yeah, aren't some of them are. I mean, but some, but more and more, I think they're exploring that. But but it was it was innovative, right? I mean, it was done in a bar. Mm-hmm. The the history behind it of being done at like some New York trashy bar and and then being moved to the theater and and the way the playhouse transformed the drew into it with you know we had four fantastic people that were just all in like all four of us were all in the whole Mm -hmm. time and and Mm -hmm. that was that was a great it was just a great group of people uh and the production team too yeah and you know and what was funny about (laughs) and what was funny about that was uh this just tells you either how good Mackenzie Damer is or how like completely oblivious I am because I think she was in Heather's before right. she did Murder Ballad and I had no idea until oh, I like the same person. I didn't know it was the same person <laughs> that's funny and I'm like who is this girl <laughs> oh my god she was in Heather's who was she she was Heather <laughs> <laughs> and of course the only Heather I knew was Mallory Vallier right. funny so but yeah Murder Ballad was one of those kind of sink your teeth into it's because it wasn't all sweetness and light right yeah no it was the per for me it was the perfect combination of getting to be a little explore lots of different emotions and get a sing too and i love those 90 minute shows right you're in you're out it's great You worked with the same actor who played your husband in that in the last five years. Yes, John I Jones. did. I did. And that so, was in the same year. Yeah. So talk a little bit about doing that show for part. That's Gordon Cantiello's group. Yes. That's Gordon, um, I love him. over in uh, the Crossroads. Crossroads, right. That's a completely different. I didn't get a chance to see it. I wanted to see it because I like the last five years. I like mm. that musical a lot. I know. And I didn't get a chance to get over there to see it. But... That's a small, intimate little space. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of a neat little space there. I, I just went and saw the Johnny Cash musical there. It was, it was great. I think he has a really great thing going there. So that was a bucket list for me. Gordon had a – I'm not sure how that all happened, but somehow Gordon and I kind of brainstormed that together, and um, John was interested. And so we were able to do it. And Doran was um, – was a musical director and we had a beautiful violin player and a cello player and man that's a that's an emotional roller coaster to be on Mm -hmm. but again you know it so fulfilling and and such a bucket list um yeah that was amazing beauty and the beast you've done that now you said what three times three times two times at chanticleer then and once and once at the playhouse right you had the same director for B&D both times. Yeah, it was almost the same cast. They okay. just basically brought the show back. Right. So so let's take it from when you approach a character a second time or a third time or a fourth time, how do you keep the ideas fresh? How do you – and I know some of it has to do with, obviously, your director and the other people that are in the cast with you. But still, there, I would think that there would be a certain amount of – Looking at the character and going, oh, maybe I'll try it this way. Maybe I'll do it that way. So when you approach a character a second time, like Belle and Beauty and the Beast, how do you go about doing that? I think, you know, Belle is is an interesting example because she's probably not, I mean, of course, you know, every character is complicated, whatever. But, you know, to approach Stella in Streetcar Named Desire twice is very different than approaching Belle, right? Sure, because right. there's so many dimensions to right. and how we can talk about yep and we Stella. can we'll talk about that too. Yeah, but um for Belle, you know, that was like 15 years. So, yeah, I, I probably played her at the very beginning of when I could play her and I probably played Belle at the playhouse at the very end of when I could play her. I think I think for Belle, it, it's pretty straightforward. And of course, you know, life experiences bring you more that you can do. But it was a long time. So it's it's not like I really remember uh, every choice I made back sure. in 2003. And so I really approached it very freshly. 
and really having a different set of actors to work with makes it completely different and different director, of course. When you approach like Stella from Streetcar, now obviously you have some life experiences that you can throw behind when you approach it a second time. Right. How, how did you approach Stella differently? Yeah, so I was 20 when I played her, and then I was 32. So the the most obvious is that I uh, Stella is pregnant in this show, and I had been through pregnancy by the time I was 32. And uh, so that was a fun physicality to work with. And then just really, you know, becoming an adult and understanding maybe marriage a little bit and and more familial relationships that Stella has with Blanche and uh, a different level of knowledge at age 20 than you are at 32. Mm-hmm. That is true. Well, and you never, you, you don't know how your life experiences just color how you view anything in life. Right. And, and one day could that, be different. I mean, it's like what you and Marie were talking about. One day could be different. Just whatever happened to you in that day can affect your performance that that night, night. Mm-hmm. definitely definitely let's talk for a few moments about your role in indecent at the blue barn this was your first show you've done at the blue barn it was, it was. i i've auditioned there a couple times and but indecent was special it was it was just the culmination of of the right people and and of course the right production team and wow was that such a great learning curve for me. I just cherish every second I was in that building. So let's talk a little bit about that process and how you got to, because it it seemed like it was such an ensemble. It was. So you obviously had the majority of your rehearsals together. I think there was probably few times when you guys did things separately. Right. And I'm, I'm just assuming because yeah. of the nature of the play. <laughs> There were just so many things about that show that I absolutely loved. And I had Stephen Williams over a few weeks ago and talked to him about how the set and the lighting itself seemed to take on a, a character of its of its own. Right. Yeah. I wish I could just have sat back and watched that part of it because I didn't get to appreciate that mm-hmm. um, from the pictures, you know, that I saw. Oh, right. my goodness. Right. So talk a little bit about that rehearsal process and how all of you came together to become such a tight-knit ensemble, which you needed for that. And if you would talk a little bit about the musicians who were right. also heavily involved in that production. Yeah, so when when we were all cast, I was thinking, huh, I wonder how this is going to happen with the musicians. When are they going to add them? Well, <laughs> they were there from number day number one to the final day, which was exactly what needed to happen because they were as much of our ensemble as the actors were because they were actors in it. And I think once they grasped that, you know, it was such a cool moment for all of us. So Samuel and Olga and Kate, who uh, were the musicians, were were characters. And they felt that way too. I know we all felt like one ensemble. So not seven people. There were 10, there were mm-hmm. 10 of us. When you went out to meet the audience afterwards, what kind of an impact did the show have on the people who saw it? I think that the impact of Indecent was really palpable, more than most things that I do. You know, people would come out in tears or people would come out unable to speak to you at that moment. They just say, I just need to think for a while. And I would get emails, you know, or, or texts or messages. It, it haunted me for the rest of the weekend. You know, I've never seen anything like it. So it wasn't like coming out after a show and people like, great job, great job. That was so, you know, fun. It was not like that kind of show. Um, and it, it definitely left us as actors. We, we felt just some, we felt some respect uh, for the piece itself and for for the production that, yeah, it wasn't all happy-go-lucky afterwards, for sure. One of the most stunning moments of that play was when you and Suzanne were together, and then there was that huge flash of white light. Oh, yes. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like... it. 
like the audience was like, it, it almost was like, for as weird as it was, sitting in that audience, it was almost like a nuclear explosion because yeah. there was this big flash of bright white light that was blinding. And then the next thing was everybody in the line for the concentration camp. And it was such a gut punch. Yeah. And while that Vigala is going on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is this beautiful uh, song, for those of you that don't know, that was written, that was sung by this nurse that was sent to Auschwitz with her family. And she sang that to the children while they were in line for to be killed. And so they brought that song back in a completely unaccompanied duet. And so to get that huge burst, that violent burst of light and sound, and then for us to go into that song where we're mm-hmm. all lining up. I mean, I uh, had tears in my so eyes every haunting. day. Yeah, it was yeah, so it haunting. Was, and the, It was the, difficult. The goosebumps. It was... Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, yeah. It was just... It was probably one of the best moments, singular moments, that I recall seeing on stage. Because it was just... It was just... Boom! You know? And it was just like the gravity of that moment right you sit there and you see something like that and you think wow that was staged really well people went through that people went through that and it just it and and that's where the gut punch comes in because you're like oh not too long ago right isn't that crazy right not that long ago exactly exactly so yeah it was an it was an incredible performance would you say and I don't want to put you on the spot but would you say that was uh the most challenging role you've done would you say that's the most satisfying role you've done it was the most challenging production I've ever done Mm -hmm. it was extremely fulfilling and you know I've had other roles that that were uh challenging for other reasons you know as a as a musician I some of my other roles to keep my voice up and to keep it healthy Mm -hmm. that is that's always the biggest struggle not you know I'm I'm trained well it's just you know what if you get sick I have little kids I get sick here and there and and that's always such a stress so that that is a struggle in itself so like when I'm playing Elle in Legally Blonde you know just to keep keep your voice every night that's that's always very challenging so I wouldn't I I don't know about most challenging most fulfilling uh but I would say overall as a production it was the most challenging and extremely fulfilling and I know I've asked you this before off the record but I'll ask you on the record Uh oh (laughs) do you have a preference musical over play that is such a great question I think the answer is no I think it just has to be the right play or musical. I miss singing when I'm not singing, and I really appreciate just doing a play. I appreciate it for what it is, and I love doing plays, but I really like the feeling of, of singing and doing a musical too. So I have no preference, and I really realized about that about myself. I If I could pick a preference, I would like to do them 50% of the time each. <laughs> Are there any roles out there either in a play or in a musical that you haven't tackled that you would like to tackle? I feel like there's a, probably a million that... <laughs> that if I thought about it for a day, I'd be able to come up with. But no, the one that comes to my mind is Sally Bowles in Cabaret. I'd love to play her. I've never done that. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I really want Marie to do the break so I can do that part for real. (laughs) Exactly. So hopefully that will happen sometime. I would hope so too. So let's take a moment to talk about the break. So The Break is a musical that Marie wrote with some, for anybody who listened to the podcast that Marie did, uh, was a, a piece that she wrote with the help of some friends that she met online through Facebook, uh, the writing lyricist duo of Amanda and Sammy from New York. Let's talk a little bit about new works, because you've been involved with some new works, and what is it about new works in general 
that appeal to you as a performer? Yeah, so I have had the amazing opportunity to do quite a few new things lately. Um, And I'm really attracted to new work. And I think uh, Tim Tim Valley and I were having this discussion like, you know, you don't, you don't get the chance to do that that often. And then now it's like, well, people are writing things in Omaha and, and why not start from the ground up and be able to create these characters. So I, every time I get a chance to, I, I just love to, I like to explore, to be the first one to come up with something. And I just think it's exciting, even well, if it doesn't do anything, you know, if it doesn't go any further, I just, I love the process. Ex- exactly. And that's the thing that I always, when I've had people on from the shelter belt and talked about that, and I'm like, do you ever have any problems with people coming into audition? Because a lot of times people don't want to audition because they don't know what the show's about. They don't have a backstory and it's like, right. They didn't see it on Broadway or they didn't see the regional premiere of whatever. And it's like, oh, but you don't understand. You get a chance <laughs> to be the person that births this. Yeah. Even if it goes off and does somewhere else and your name's never associated right. with it, you still have the satisfaction of knowing when this was first an idea, I was a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I love I love I love that that process. I wish I had an ounce of talent for writing. I absolutely do not. So what I can do with that is at least pour my acting abilities in or and singing abilities into that. So and and I love it. I love the process. Let's take a moment to talk about two of them. One way to Mars, mm-hmm. uh, which is Tim and Mallory's piece. And Tim's doing it for his dissertation right. and, and the break. So with both of those pieces, and I know pr- because I was fortunate enough to work on both of them myself, was that there was a very short window of preparation before you had to do it. In the case of the break, it was doing it live for one night we actually did it two nights because we had like a final dress rehearsal and we had people come right. to it and then and then the actual performance that was done at the 402 and then with Tim's piece being recorded but your performance is going to help him with his dissertation so very short amount of rehearsal time and obviously in both instances you put in a lot of extra work off time. Right. For very difficult things, right? Like right. this is not exactly like learning Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. This is real right. musicians writing really hard but really fun things. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess that's a testament to the dedication that you have as a performer to be willing to give of your time to do things like that. Thank you. So what is the uh, satisfaction <laughs> i guess what's uh, so i guess so the, so being rude about it is <laughs> what's in it for you what's in it for me why um, why why do why you do it yeah why do it i find so much satisfaction in learning new music and I'm specifically talking about these two shows. I'm, sure. not, I'm not talking about like stage readings of a play because I like right. that too. Right. Uh, but for, for these two instances, learning new music, especially, and in both of these instances, it was with Tim Vallier, with a music director who I think really can teach me a lot. Like he just has a gift with singers and mm-hmm. he can he can really teach. And so being able to be challenged, it's kind of like a... A free vocal lesson, and but with a reward that I get to perform. And then in Tim's case, I get to now have a recording of us on Spotify that'll be released, I think, this fall. That you know, maybe Henry and Nora will want to listen to someday, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you sit down to do a show, so mm, you can pick either one or both, because they were both probably the same. T- time frame as far as like what you had we had like three weeks of work on the break Mm -hmm. and then we actually did it live right how many hours a day were you putting in three for three weeks yeah and that was above and beyond the rehearsals absolutely that we had yeah I mean I I sang how many songs did I sing in that show 12 yeah yeah I mean it was it was like the 
Elle Woods of Legally Blonde, it was that big of a role. So, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't leave the stage really. And and I wanted to do it right. I wanted to give justice to the these writers, these, you know. So it was worth it to me. Plus, you know, if I'm going to be performing for a group of 100 people, you know, just just I want to just give it my all. I don't think I could ever do less than that. That's just in my blood. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you don't seem like the kind of person who would like <laughs> just like phone it in. Nope. Not, not not with anything. <laughs> but what is the difference between gearing yourself up for doing it live and mm-hmm. doing it once and knowing that you're going into basically a recording studio? Yeah. And at least with that, every take that we did, of course, I was just there for the dialogue. So I don't know how often you guys sang, sang through stuff. So... What were the recording sessions like when you went in and you sang the music? You probably had some rehearsal with Tim beforehand before you recorded it, or? Yeah, we we had some, most of mine was individual, and yeah, we had a couple of weeks of that, uh, which was great, and then a lot of it I just learned on my own. I would, like, spend, you know, hours and hours learning on my own, then come and Tim would tweak me. And then we would just say, okay, now we're going to record. So we had about two weeks of that too. And that was kind of nice because there are some pretty difficult parts in one of the songs that, you know, if I'd kind of sound like crap, then I could just do it the next day. You know, he's like, let's take a couple days off and come back. And then it was better. (laughs) So that was something that I typically don't get to do in uh, live performance. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you get one shot. Yeah, but you know what? I I love live theater. I have really no desire to do film work. I I just love the the energy of the audience. And, you know, like the rest of us, that's what we feed off. Mm -hmm. And Tim's Tim's show, you know, I hope this... I, I hope his disser he's doing it for his dissertation, but eventually his goal, uh, and I don't think I'm speaking out here because I believe he said the same thing on his, po- on his podcast episode, was that eventually that he would hope that some smaller theaters, you know, would be able to do the production. So for those who may not have heard, it's basically, it's an oral, 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 yes, oral, I should say <laughs> oral performance so you would go in and sit down and the lights would go down and the lights would never come back up and this whole story would happen and the only thing that you are aware of is that you just hear what happens right so I think it's meant to be listened to yes. on a recording because that that was Tim's intention. So if if we are able to listen to it at some point on Spotify, then I think you're going to experience it. Of course, listening to it live would be a completely different, exciting you know right. feature. Although I all would of- I would suggest that if you do listen to it on Spotify, you don't listen to it in your car because he right. really wants you to have your eyes closed, and yep. that would be dangerous. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Unless you're in the passenger seat, and then. By all means. Yeah, maybe on a plane trip or maybe something. Maybe on a plane. Um, that'd be good. Yeah, so I think it would be interesting to hear it live, and I think it would be something great for one of those small theaters to pick up for a you know a night or, or whatever, Where however it goes. Uh, I know the three of us would love to perform it at some point live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, it was a really interesting piece, and I was glad to be part of that. And I think that's what this podcast is about, right? I mean, because we're promoting Omaha talent and and there's so much going on right now. So exactly. much since when I started doing things. I mean, now there's so many people writing here. I mean, look at Bofield Berry, the Blue Barn and, and you know, all the people we discussed already and Ellen Struve. I mean, it's just, and Laura Campbell. And it's just, we have some great writers in town, so... One thing that you mentioned to me not too long ago was your role in a Tony Award winning <laughs> musical, Once on This Island. <laughs> I really like Once on This Island. I do That's too. a good, good musical. You were part of working on the, you were part of the producing team? I was. Explain this story to me. Okay. Yes, it's a little convoluted. But uh, so one of my dear friends from high school is uh, the owner of the 42nd Club, which 
produces Broadway musicals. And I've kind of always been intrigued by that, and he and I stay in touch. And, you know, I'm like, hey, if there's anything that kind of pops up that do you think would be fun for me to be a part of, let me know. So a couple of years ago, he just emailed me, and he's like, hey, we're going to do Once on this Island, and what do you think about, you know, being a part of it? And I was like, okay. So what's really cool about uh, Once on this Island, uh, this particular production, is that so Phil, who is in charge of this producing team, and me, and Merle Dandridge, who played Papa Gay, she, we all went to the same high school. So we all went to Papillion. Merle was six years older than me, so I never knew her. But so I got to see her. I flew out to New York with Jody, and we went to to see her and it was amazing and the whole production but yeah and then we won the tony award for best musical revival <laughs> so what did you do as a producer did you just have your name on it and throw money at yeah them? yeah exactly there you go <laughs> hey yep. why i mean not? why not your if name I can... in the, your name wasn't in the program was no because i was part of the club so okay. it, gotcha. it's like a group there's a, a bigger group of us you know yeah. if i would have really gone all out then I guess that could have happened but yeah that's what you have to do folks that's it <laughs> but it was there it was just go. you know a not a crazy amount just just something to say hey I was part of this I supported this production well, being sure. done and I just liked the vision they were going with it and if anyone saw it I, I would hope that you guys did too because it was a really fantastic production yeah I think yeah. that's really cool yeah yeah it was a neat opportunity something that I I just thought well why not mm-hmm Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had the opportunity, let's say Nora and Henry were of age where they weren't underfoot. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to take a leave of absence from your job to go to, to, to New York to do an off-Broadway musical, would you do it? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, my business partner would probably have a heart attack. <laughs> But, but we'd, we'd figure it out. And, you know, I mean, I think if I had the opportunity to do it even with Nora and Henry underfoot, I, you know, hopefully I'd be able to figure that out because that opportunity would be amazing if that would ever happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> years and years and years and years and years ago, I had the opportunity to do that. And it, w- it was one of those things where I was working for a church at the time and I had the opportunity to go to New York and do a show. Oh, wow. And... <laughs> And I, I remember going to the priest and saying, so I would be gone for like three months. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and luckily, he was very much into theater. And he's like, go, go, yeah. go. You got to do it. You got to oh do gosh. it. And I was very thankful that he held he held my job for me. Right. So yeah. I got I was able to go off and do that on somebody else's dime. And that was my first time in New York. Wow. So, I, I mean, it was like half tourist, half you know, but here's the, here's the scary thing that I say that I would never, ever admit to anyone. And I'm going to admit it right here, right now in, in public, in public. So I spent like, it wasn't three months. So I spent like eight, eight weeks in New York. Never once did I see a Broadway show. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't. And that was when Avenue, that was like totally like when Avenue Q was going on and stuff. And I remember I've got like a picture of like full puppet nudity. What the hell is that? Oh my gosh. But I never did. I did like all the other touristy wow. stuff. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'll go see a show like during the daytime, like once my show is up and running. But but then I had people that came, were nice enough to come to town. Wow! And then I was like entertaining, and I'm like, it got to the end, and I'm like, I never I never saw one Broadway show, and I was here for like two months. So have you made up for that? Have well, you gone yeah, back? Because then yes, because then a couple of years later, Joe Bosky had a play of his that I had directed, Ping Pong Diplomacy. Oh yeah that Steve Cranbeck's lovely wife, Debbie, was in when we did it here. <laughs> and it was done in New York. And so a bunch of us went and saw it. So I, I saw a ton of stuff. Good. I saw Doubt and I, just, <laughs> I like Avenue Q. I just, I saw everything. I saw yep. everything then. But That's the way you got to do it. Yeah. You just got to knock it out. Just we do like five totally shows. Jody and I do five shows in three days. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Miss Leanne, what's your favorite color? Green. 
green. You're wearing green today. I, oh, I am wearing green. I'm, it's I'm more often of a teal. wearing green. Yes. But I, I hear on your podcast, most people are saying blue and green. So it must blue be like green. an artsy thing. It must be. Yeah. It must be. Pink's a close second. Pink's a close. <laughs> Is that because of Legally Blonde? No, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> During that time in my life, I was wearing a lot of pink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you could go back in time and have lunch with anyone historical, who would you like to have lunch with? Better question, where would you go? <laughs> Somewhere vegan because... Right, right. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the hamburger issue, right? <laughs> the hamburger grease issue. Maybe, um, maybe. So fascinating yeah. sitting here. Where would I go? Who would I, I... These are two difficult questions. I'm a foodie and I like a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I go to San Sebastian, Spain and have lunch on one of their amazing, uh, they have these things called pinchos where you just get to like pick up whatever you want off the counter and it's really a fun experience. So I do that and I'd have to think, think pretty hard on who it would be with. So they pick stuff up off the counter. Yes, like the consumer does. Sure. Yeah. No, I get it. No. No. So my question is, how many consumers before you picked up that same stuff and then put it back down? I try not to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Just asking. Just It's the experience of it all. It's the experience. Dana. Okay. And see, I haven't been out of Nebraska, so what do I know? (laughs) Let alone over in Spain. (laughs) What type of music do you like? Oh, I'm such a nerd. I remember being interviewed in high school for the Omaha World Herald. They were doing some like ridiculous commentary on high school kids, what they like to listen to. And I was the nerd that said musical theater. (laughs) And I'm still the nerd that says musical theater. What's your favorite musical? Ooh, it's Fiddler on the Roof. It is. It really is. I just, there's something about that play. And maybe it's why I love Indecent so much that I just think it's, it's so beautiful. And um, if I could choose to watch a musical, it's that musical. Now, other roles that I've done, I like other roles better, but that musical sure. I just I, it has a special place in my heart. And it could be because it was like my first lead role, too, mm-hmm. right? No, your first lead role was Achoo, oh, right. the mouse. Right. Yes, I should bring which that was out. Also, which was also a musical. Yes, indeed. See, I do pay attention. You do. You do. You really do. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, when I went and saw Hamilton, it blew my mind. And, and maybe it is a better show than Fiddler on the Roof. But Fiddler on the Roof is is my favorite. Do your kids, either one of them, Nora or Henry, have any, do they perform? I mean, do they, well, I mean, obviously little Nora's in her little bell outfit, which was, <laughs> yeah, which that was, was very cute. cute. That was really cute. Um, um, and I know Henry is into sports, but do yeah. the two intertwine? Well, Henry's eight and Nora's five. So, you know, they're still pretty little figuring things out. And Henry, I've asked him if he wanted to do anything with me ever take like even a theater camp. And he's just like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, do you want to go see Annie with me? No, I don't want to do that. All right. But Nora, I kind of have to like, I don't want to be this the stage mom, right? So when she heard that Annie was going to be produced, I was like, well, Nora, you know, we could audition for this. And and she's like, yes, yes. And she kept bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. So, I, you know, I was like, okay. So she has a, a little callback for once, which will be fun. And she says she wants to do it. So we'll see. But, um, you know, I also don't, don't want her to do it on my sake, you know, just because right. I love it. Right. So maybe it'll be something we can do together someday if she wants to. Yeah. And if Henry has ex- expresses an interest, great. If not, totally fine. And your kids are named after theatrical <laughs> they are. characters. Uh, Nora. Especially Nora. So yeah. when I was in high school, I read A Doll's House uh, by Henry Gibson. And, and she was like the first heroine that I really read about. And I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> My kid's going to be named Nora. And that stuck with me forever until I had a girl and was able to name her Nora. Now, Henry, Henry is a, a strong name. And maybe uh, I'm a little demented because I do really like Tudor history. And uh, there's probably a little bit of that influence. But he's not <laughs> such a great, a great historical figure, is he? <laughs> There are a lot of Henrys. Right. Let's say he's <laughs> named after someone else. There we go. Or Henrik. Yes, Henrik. 
There we go. What's your favorite swear word? <laughs> Is this going on the podcast? I- <laughs> this is the, f- the first time I've heard it asked. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I ask it all the time. So oh, my people, gosh. You apparently I've do not listen to, like, to the end of my podcast. I've listened to like 12 <laughs> of them. I, I do like the F word a lot, but I really like bullshit. Like, I like the way you could say that. Bullshit. I'm sick of your bullshit. Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast with original theme music by Tim Vallier. For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyou5pod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. 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 five. That's the other talk.